welcome you to River Church this morning in Tuscaloosa. Wish you were here, but we ask you to tune in and go the distance with us. And we are ministering on that, calling it The Distance, Going All the Way. Title of my message, which covers everything, The Distance, Going All the Way. How many here in the home body wants to go all the way? Whatever that looks like. It's like, well, explain it to me, and I'll tell you whether I want to go all the way. We're not even that. We're just saying whatever it is, he'll, he'll, he'll supply all my need. He'll, he'll make me brave enough. I'll, I'll be in the shadow of, I'll be in the secret place under the shadow of the wing of the Almighty. It'll be good. Let's go all the way. And when you sign up, like the people that sign up to be Green Berets or Navy SEALs, they say, and I'm not sure, but I've heard this over and over, that, that the very elite of all these forces, the Marines or the Air Force or the, only uh, the hundred best show up and only three get to be Green Berets or whatever. It's just a, an, an amazingly small amount because the qualifying is so, so rigorous. And I believe we're supposed to be qualifying. God's not testing you, but he wants us to raise the bar so that what we say is normal is way higher than what we used to say was normal. We want more. And we're not afraid of God sending us somewhere or, or calling us to do something. We're not more. Every one of you sh should be apt to teach. Every one of us should be able to stand up and for five or six minutes just, just bring a, an, an invoking message of conviction. We should all have that in us. We should. You would agree with that. We should, whether we do or not wouldn't matter. We should. We should be filling our hearts with stuff so that we have something to bring out. And that's what we're doing. So I'm going to read in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Just, just hold your place there. I just want to read this. I want to set a little foundation here. I always do. Uh, all Scripture, the Bible says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Hallelujah. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's why we're here this morning. One of the reasons. It's chapter 3, verse 16, if you're looking. But it says that, uh, that all scripture is, is so that the man of God may be perfect, the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we're in a good place this morning, aren't we? In Monday morning, when you open your devotional or whenever you go to the Word and, and uh, give yourself to it, the Lord is saying, I've got something good for you. I'm perfecting that which concerns you. And then in, uh, I love Hebrews 10, 24, where it says, let us consider one another to provoke love into good works. That's my license right there. To provoke. <laughs> That's why I get by in my own heart with what I get by with. is because I've come to uh, provoke and to love in good works. Some people say, well, that, that's tough love. All love is tough. Or it's, or it's something else. Amen. So if you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And we're also going to read this this morning. We've been reading this in the mornings and uh, in the evenings too. Chapter 3, verse 20. This, you could say this scripture's been worn out, 
but I want to wear it all the way out. Now unto him, verse 20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. It's just hard to get more powerful than that. That's hard to get your identity more solid and more invoked in you than that. And you know, we love the passion. It says he will achieve infinitely. Now, infinitely is a word that you can't just throw around. Infinitely means he never quits. It never ends. It's all the way. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Your most unbelievable dream. Wow. And exceed your wildest imagination. I've been trying to upgrade my imagination. Instead of just thinking how we could do what I'm already doing better, I'm trying to erase that board and put a whole nother thing in there. Something that I'd never thought of. He will outdo them all. He will outdo them all. All of them. He will outdo them all. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. Woohoo! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that's to us. That isn't to the apostle and the prophet and the pope and the bishop and all that. That's you and me right now. Praise God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, if you would. 1 Corinthians. We'll call that an introduction. It has nothing to do with this message per se, although all things have to do with everything in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to provoke you to love and good works. I want to provoke you. I want to stir you. If we leave a service not changed or not wanting to change, then we, we were asleep. Verse 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth the prize. Here it is. So run that ye may obtain. Let's point to ourselves and say, so run that ye may obtain. So run that ye may obtain. And then verse 20, let's see, where are we? Yeah, verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. So we got to put our stuff under, don't we? Some stuff, the wild-eyed part of us, our personality has to come under subjection. Our particular dislikes excuse me, likes and our particular dislikes. I don't like them and I don't like those people. You, you got to be temperate if you want the mastery. You can't be a wild card. You can't be off the, the end. We have to subdue everything in our life. It says it's temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Here Paul says, I therefore so run. He said, I want that mastery. Not as uncertainty, uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means which I have preached when I have preached to others, I might, I myself should be a castaway. The word there is backslider. The uh, today's English. That's where I want to read it. Surely you know that many runners take place, take part in a race, but only one of them wins the prize. 
Run then in such a way to win the prize. Every athlete in training submits to strict discipline in order to be crowned with a wreath that will not last, but we do it for one that will last forever. That is why I run straight for the finish line. That's why I am a boxer who does not waste his punches. I harden my body with blows and bring it under complete control to keep myself from being disqualified after having called others to the contest. In my book about uh, heaven on earth, I talk about uh, everybody is watching. Everybody's watching you. You're quite the anomaly, River Church, and they're watching you. One way they're watching you is to be inspired because you've, you're doing and having and, and calling things that be not that they aren't. But there's a, there's a little mean thing in a lot of people that wants you to fail so they can come up. They want to lower the bar in your life so that the, the bar is about where they are. So we have to know that. In Acts chapter 20, we're talking about running your race and finishing your course, going all the way. Acts chapter 24, praise God. Are y'all having a good day? Acts 24, in verse 22... Well, that's not it. 20. Yes, ma'am. Well, that wasn't it. So let's, let's see if we can make something fly in chapter 20, verse 22. There we go. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Verse 24. But none of these things move me. Now, I want to remind you that the devil, the God of this world and his system has tried to cripple the United States financially back in 08. And everything went south. Everything went south. People lost lots of money in that little, that little period of time. But the church bounced back. And then I, I don't have to remind you that what we're going through right now is the devil has come against the second point of our covenant, which is health and healing. He's trying to take it. He's trying to make us where we feel helpless. That in these days, we're just like the world. That he has a secret uh, weapon that he pulls out and says, You'll, you will bend. You will bow. And so think it not strange that these things come. Now, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. So part of that's just uh, a matter of living in this world. But if we don't excel during financial hardship an atmosphere, and if we don't excel or win in the COVID era, which might or might not ever completely leave, then we, then we, uh, then we are moved. He said, but none of these things move me. It's not a test. You're not being tested by God. James tells us that's not going to happen, but we are being qualified. How much capacity do you have? What are you moved by? What makes you fret at night? Makes, what makes you make plans of plan B? Well, if this happens, then I'm going to have to do this. You know, that might not be the best course of thinking when you're in faith. Plan B is never faith. Well, you've got to be prepared. That's right. If you're not in faith, that's, that's what right. you should do. That's right. And we're all touching borders and boundaries of areas that as we grow and increase... We meet a new 
a new devil, as it were, principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Those things are different tiers or different levels. And so we're all growing into different levels. Things that used to bother us completely bother us none. But there's still something out there yet for us to dominate with our faith. And that's why we renew our minds so that we may know the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So that we'll dominate our world and then help dominate somebody else's world. Help them get loose. So he said, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto me, so that I might finish my course with joy. I want to finish my course with joy. Not just be exhausted and fall over the finish line or have them drag me. I want to finish it with joy. I want an attaboy. I'm real big into heavenly attaboys. So, uh, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So we're talking about going the distance. Going the distance. Going all the way. So we should never relax in the sense of we're done, we're finished, it's over, I've done all that he wants me to do. Well, there's more. And you can go as far and as fast as you want to. There's always more. There could be apostles and prophets in this room. Wouldn't that be a shock? Wouldn't that, because we're not thinking about that. But that would be exceeding abundantly above what you would think. What if there were? You know, my dad just, he's fixing to turn 91. He said, doggone, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, we, never, we never dreamed it, so hallelujah. So he said, I want to finish my course with joy. So we ought to be happy in the pandemic, whatever that is. We ought to be happy. We may have to fight the good fight. We may have to stand our ground. We may have to speak things that we never thought we'd have to speak over our life and our family. We may, we may have, having done all to stand, we just stand there for it. But we're happy about it. We're not, we're not victims. We're not falling out underneath of times. The times, we're, go, we're living in these times, but we are not of these times. We live above these times. And anytime you get tangled up in the times, then, then you're, 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 you're living beneath. I'm living beneath my privileges against my station in life. So John 10, 10, you know what Jesus said. He said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the overflow. So apparently with him making that statement, I have come that they might have life. Apparently nobody had life. Is that right? He was bringing something that had never been invoked. It wasn't like, well, the rich people are down there. You're not coming to bring them life because they're full of life. And these, these monarchs over here, they've already got it. Nobody had it. He said, I've come that they might all have it. And so what, did, what do people have before they receive the life of God? I'm not even talking about necessarily just the unsaved, the sinner, the lost, the rebellious. Uh, we're just talking about people that have never tapped into that life. Do you have any kinfolks or friends that have not tapped into that life, but they claim and probably are born again, but, but there's no life in there. They look just like the world, just like the world. You can kind of read their story and say, that's what mine would be if it wasn't for this life. So it takes all of their life to live their life. They're done. When they get the bills paid, when they get the kids in bed, they're done. 
And we take that for granted. I, I can tell you, all of y'all, all, me for sure, we forget where we used to be. Where our mind was and the worry and the anxiousness and the uncertainty, where we used to entertain things and take up a lot of our mind time was mostly just to maintain, just to, it took all of our life to live our life. And we were thinking about it. And if we ever got that solved, we just moved to the next slot and said, now I got to be concerned about that. There's no end, is there? There's no end to that. But he said, I've come that you might live above that life, that, that lack of life, that vacuum. And so I want to ask you this question this morning, because only the Christians in faith operate in that life. Let's, let's just measure that. If he said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the overflow, then there must be people that don't have that life, even though he brought it. Is that right? And they're not in overflow. You, you would have to say, what's the difference between them and me? And it would have to be having faith to live in that life. Because it doesn't come on you like a warm blanket. It, it, you got, you got to giddy up and say, bless God, I'm not going to live like the world. I'm going to put on my faith for, for finances, for supply. I'm going to put it on and I'm not putting up with less than whatever. And the same thing with our body. We, we have to draw a line and said, I used to just succumb. I used to get the flu. I used to get the not allergies. I used to get the whatever people get. You, and, but I'm not putting up with that this year. And so we take a step. We take ground. But we do it by faith. We call things that be not. We call things that are God's promise to us. We call those into our life that we're a demonstration of that life, that life that overflows. But... Uh, would you say, because of I have come that you might have life, that your life is better than ever right now? Would we say we're, have, we're living like Joyce Meyer, I think she said, living your, no, it was Joel Osteen, excuse me, living your best life now. I would say of myself, I'm living my best life now. And it wasn't because I got smarter, but I got in faith. I just got in faith. It's not because I figured out the troubles and the devil and all that. I just uh, started navigating myself to live in that, that, uh, that life. So whatever we're not doing, if, you, if anybody could say, oh, it's a little better, or, you know, it's an upgrade, and you're just being kind to everybody around to say, well, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm part of that too. But really inside you're going, this is the pits. I'm afraid of this, and I don't have that, and everything. I, I hear people right now, the vax is the main issue. Everybody, you know, talked to someone this morning that said, you know, the, the, they got the booster and it just about put it, said it wasn't recovered yet from that. And you go, well, what's that all about? You know, they, well, well, I'm not here to debate the vax or the booster or anything like that. That is a non-issue to me. And I am just as pleased with anybody that got it as somebody that didn't get, get it. Because be it done unto you according to your faith, you ought to do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do because he's measured us. He's qualified us. He knows what's good for us. He knows when we're empty in a particular area, and he'll say, you, you need to get that or whatever. So whatever we're not doing to pursue to have a better life, I'm going to ask you this morning to change. 
Don't let it go forward. Don't let it just say, well, I've just acclimated this. I've just hardened my life that this is what I have. This is the way life's going to be. This is, I was born into this or the girl I'm married to, all the excuses. And just say, it's time for me to change. Because change is not change, Dr. Cole said, until it's change. Gonna change, wanna change, good intentions to change is not change. It's change when you said, I will change, and then you do change. That's when change happens. I'm changed. Are y'all changed? Yes. We are changed. This is not who I started out with. This Michael Ray was not. I have increased. I've changed. And I love it. And so one reason that we have this, this change is because we began exercising what I want to call the law of exchange. Say that with me, please. The law of exchange. Now, it's like seed time and harvest. We taught on that not too long ago, where whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's going to happen. Well, it's the law of exchange. You take your seed, instead of eating it, which that's what seed does. It, you, you, you can eat it. It's bread. You plant it. And so you, you lay down your life in one arena so that you can pick it up, a harvest of multiples, you can pick it up in another dimension. So you lay down your life as seed, and you pick it up in the multiples, the exponential of that, versus just eating your seed. It's a one-time deal. If you eat your seed, it has a one-fold uh, multiplier. You ate it, and you can't plant it anymore. So uh, what we've been doing the last few years, few months, is we've been assigning value we all do. We assign value to things that we want. And then we step back and look at whatever it's going to be that we would exchange for what we want. According to Paul, he wanted mastery. So he said, I buffet my body. I discipline myself. I pay. I look at that value and say, I want mastery. Therefore, I have to exchange Buffeting my body, renewing my mind, changing on the inside because I want that value and this is the cost or the exchange of getting that. Is that right? Sure it is. And so we're all changing things that you may have wanted back 10 years ago and you go, oh, I got to have one of them. You're like, who would want one of those now? Because your values change and what you, you may have been able to you may have been saying, I'll give my right arm for one of those 10 years ago. You wouldn't give it the time of day now. So your value of what you want and the value of what you're willing to exchange, it evolves and it changes. So you give what you have to get what you want. Therefore, it's just like money in your purse. If you only have $100 in there and the item is more than $100, you begin to adjust to say, I'll wait for the item when I have more money. Or I'll give all that I have for that item. So we're always adjusting our exchange, what is valuable, what's, what's necessary in my life, versus what used to be but doesn't have value. Our values are evolving because we're renewing our minds. We're making Jesus Lord more and more. Amen. Stuff that used to be me, me, me. What's that cartoon, what's that car cartoon where the gulls? Yeah, yeah, Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. <laughs> I love that. I just love that Pixar stuff. But mine, 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 mine. Well, we're not that person anymore. But we couldn't deny that we didn't used to be. 
because that's where we were in our value system. You know, you just, you just got to have it. Uh, I noticed in my family, all across all of my family, all around, that they all bought Cadillacs, or really nice Oldsmobiles when those were around, because that was their value system. But as soon as they got where they retired, so to speak, we're not Cadillacing anymore. We're, we're putt-putting. We're, we're, we got rushed underneath the left back fender because it's been around a while. You go, what is that? What, what's, what's the deal about that? Well, it's, it's not based on who you are. It's based on what you have back then. You had an income. Yeah, everything was going. But suddenly this thing comes on people that tend to retire. And uh, I'm just observing. I'm just observing where they get to thinking. And I've heard this in my family a bunch. Well, we just don't know how much money it's going to take to get us to the end. And so we want to be sure and have all of it. So they're living on Social Security and banking all this money, all these assets, banking it because the, the possibility is going to, old, old life's going to clean me out. And so they quit being generous and they quit being benevolent and they quit buying Cadillacs. I'll just use that for an example. We're not talking about really Cadillacs, but just it changes them because of the fear of the future. Well, we have to put values on it now. We have to say, this is, this is what I want. This is who I want to be, what I want to have, what I want to do. Therefore, I will set an adjustment what I'm willing to exchange for it. So it's not money that, that we want, although that's what it takes. We have to renew our mind that there's plenty more where that came from. Well, you're, yeah, but you must not be retired. When you retire, there's not plenty more where that came from. Exceeding abundantly above. D do you believe or not? Well, it, everybody comes to that juncture where they find out. They thought they did. I, I used to, when I was 40 years old, I told people, I am in faith about my health. But then I found out later I was just young. <laughs> you know what? I just, yeah. So we find what we want to exchange our life for. We set a goal. We run our race and finish our course. And we find a goal and then we begin to assign a value of exchange for that. So for instance, just instance, we're all in church this morning because we've defined this as a value that we want to exchange for what we want. We want life and life to the full. And you don't get that at the bars. You don't get that at Alabama football. You don't get that. You don't get that. And once you realize that's the value that I have to exchange for what I want, then you begin to change your life and say, we got to giddy up. We got to cut some of this stuff off that we can't carry anymore. And we got to start putting on stuff that helps us get to the value or the exchange. I want that. I want to, to be a demonstration, which is what I told you a while ago. I, that's what I want because I believe he put it in my heart. I'm not saying it would be for anybody else. I've never heard anybody else say it. And I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to. It's not about me. I'm just giving you my experience in case it's about you as well, just a different value. Well, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 again. We looked at there. So, uh, used to, we may have eaten our seed. Y'all remember before you were tithing or before you were giving? Uh, your tithe was in the car, you know? I mean, we're talking about way back. You, you, you didn't tithe, I didn't tithe. I remember when I started tithing, and I was, I was way proud of me. I thought... I thought the Lord was 
stop in heaven because he saw what I was given. I gave $200 check to First Baptist Church in Seagraves, Texas, and I thought I was the biggest giver in the church. That, you know, I had no way of, of a value system, but uh, we've changed. So what we used to do is just, I say the fender in your car was, your tithe was in your fender. It's because we, we, if you don't tithe and you go out and buy something, your tithe's in that. If you don't tithe and you spend the money that should have been the tithe, then, then whatever you bought, your tithe is in that. I want y'all to look in the back seat and see my tithe. It's, it's, a, it's leather or whatever. No condemnation. I'm just talking about how we used to be. And then you have to say, well, I still am that. It's just I've raised the level. And there's a value out there that I may not have even understood I need to be or want to be. And so I'm not... I'm not determining what value that'll take. So we turned our bread into seed. Used to, we would eat our bread. We'd get our paycheck and we'd have $1,000 and we would eat the whole thing. Well, you know, you'd buy a car, you'd buy gas, you'd buy food. You, you, would, you would eat your bread, which is provision. But now we don't do that. We, we plant part of that because we, we want to exchange that seed for a future harvest and for life and life to the full. And the point I'm endeavoring to make is we haven't, we haven't finished that process. We're still on course. Because Ephesians 3.20 says he still wants to do exceeding. No matter where you are, no matter where you come from, what you didn't do, he got you here by that process and he wants to take us there by that same process. So it says in Matthew chapter 6, well, well let me say this. We... How this works is that you exchange the common, you lay down your life in one dimension, you exchange the common for the precious or for the holy. Now, I promise you this morning, if you gave in the offering, you put U.S. American dollars or the equivalent of in the offering. It wasn't like, oh, I brought the holy money, it's in this gold chest, and you open up the chest and it's glowing. You go, yeah, this, this is God's seed right here, it, it glows. No, it was U.S. American dollars. It was a check that you endorsed, and I promise you, tomorrow, it'll be in River Church's account. <laughs> we, we're not saying, oh, we don't want to touch the holy money. No, we're going to bank that money. We're going to bank your check. So you change the, you, you lay down the common, which is unholy. It's not precious. It's, it's just common. You buy a bicycle or, or tie. That's, that's kind of what it looks like. But you pick up the holy, the precious the life and life to the full. Matthew chapter 6. That was so good. Thank you, Lord. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So he's saying, seek the kingdom. Well, that's, that's holy in a way, but it's real natural. You dream kingdom. You you read the Bible, you pray, you go to church, you're seeking the kingdom. You want to be with wise men, wise women, because wisdom is transferable. And so you lay down your life in one dimension, and you pick up having all your needs met. In other words, instead of going to work and getting money to buy all your needs, he said, if you'll seek first the kingdom, that he will buy all your needs. And more than you could have made if you went to work. I mean, we all ought to go to work. We're, we're not making a case here not of, of everybody quitting on Monday. 
We're just saying you've got to have a, uh, an exchange. He says it'll be exponential for you in the, uh, in the Amplified. Can I read a few lengthy versions? I think Barry's got them. Seek, aim at, and strive after. Seek, aim at, and strive after. Strive after is a big, powerful word. First of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then, can you say that with me? And then, so you lay down your life in one dimension for something that you can't, you can't attain, you can't have, but you can do what you can do. I can lay down my life, it's mine to lay down. I can lay down my life, but I cannot just say, well, I'm believing God for all of his stuff to be given to me and every need met. No, you have to lay down your life. You have to exchange it. Jesus exchanged his life at the cross for our lives. He exchanged it. And then he goes on and he said, and then all these things taken together will be given you besides. All these things. Remember the other day we looked at the word all and it means all these things. Well, what things are those? If you look in there, it says all the things the Gentiles seek. That means everything you need. You want a, you want a boat? You want a motorcycle? You want a, uh, a new purse? You want a, what, what do you want? Whatever the Gentiles are seeking, we need to get off of this thing that says, well, I, I, I just got to have holy things. He said, whatever you would have gone after before Jesus without seeking his kingdom, that's what he wants to bring you. It's not bait and switch where he says, okay, come in here and, and seek my kingdom and I'll give you what's on sale, what's been left over, what's ever. He says, I'll give you everything you would have gotten if you hadn't involved me. Or everything you would have striven after, strove after. I love this. Today's English version says, instead, be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and with what he requires of you. Oh my. That's a little different. What he requires of you. That's that buffeting your body. That's uh, bringing yourself into subjection. And he will provide you with all these other things. So I'm going to go after what I can't have by laying down what I do have. I have, I have U.S. American dollars in my check account. And I can, I can buy this and have that. Or I can lay them down to the kingdom. In other words, cut myself off. You, you can't tithe. We, we had a family in West Texas that tithed to their kids' college fund. I don't know if that's really arm's length or not, you know, if you, uh, well, he needed, he needed help, and so we just said the Lord's going to just uh, supply his need by us tithing to him. Whew. You go, you making that up? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how that went. Hallelujah. So, uh, but more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. I'm in the contemporary English. Where did I go from? Well, anyway, contemporary English. But more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. What if that was true? What if that was true? What if that's how it really, really worked? We'd jump ship and get in that ship, wouldn't we? Well, it is true. It says in the message, steep your life in God reality, whatever that is, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. 
We're just going to pound this thing. The new century. The, the thing you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what God wants. Now that's important. The thing you should want most is not the things. But he said, if you'll put your affection on me, you'll have the things too. So you'll have all of God, and Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Plus, you'll have all the things. Back in the old Pentecost days, the old holiness days, they wanted you to, change, uh, to trade. You, you were either you were holy and didn't have anything, or if you had stuff, you weren't holy. Because God, well, yeah, you cannot seek God and him give you all these things. But the word says he will. Jesus said, be holy, give yourself to me, and you'll have all those things. You'll be holy, you'll have mastery, and you'll have all those things too. Now, that, that, I remember uh, Granny Hixie saying one time, she, she was a sweetheart, and uh, she had red nails on. She painted her nails red. She was about 72 or so, uh, 62, whatever she was, and went to a Bible study, taught a Bible study for her sisters in the, in the Lord. And they said later, it got back to her, this is, she does real good for having red nails, those Jezebel nails. Look, how did she do it? How does she drive that with Jezebel nails? You're a floosy <laughs> if you had red nails. And when we lived in West Texas, the, uh, the uh, Mennonite community was there, and they, they really moved in in wholesale lots. And you'd see them checking out, and their hair would be in a bun, which is modest, and they have on a long dress. And then they'd be at Walmart, and they'd throw that beer up there. Because <laughs> beer's not... And yet, and yet, and, or you'd see them smoking, smoking. And yet they were... So, see, there's been lots of confusion out there. Jesus fixes it. Aren't y'all glad Jesus fixed it? I, I'm trying to persuade you to just believe what Jesus said. No, don't believe me. God's, word uh, God's Word's translation says, But first, be concerned about His kingdom and what has His approval. Now, that's powerful, isn't it? So we want what God wants, and we don't want what God doesn't want. And lastly, the New Living says, And He will give you everything you need. So my question this evening, this morning, not really a question, but just a statement, based on that, based on that scripture and the ones we read before, would you and I agree that if, that if people will not exchange what is common for the holy, then they will live a common life like the Gentiles? In other words, if there's no exchange, it's not like, well, Lord, I go to church all the time, or, or I, you know, religious, religious things. God, God says, well, you, you look good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a dab of this and a dab of that. He said, if you don't exchange, if you don't lay down your life, you're going to live a common life. All these things shall be added to you won't come because you didn't seek first the kingdom of God. So why do Christians live common lives? Why are they under duress? Why are they in debt and, and, and not so much in debt, but just enslaved to things? It's because they would not lay, they couldn't let go of their present system. They couldn't plant seed because they just had so much bread. And did you know that you can have a million dollars and still have that mindset? I know those people. They're tighter than a banjo string. I'm telling you, it, it, it's, uh, and they got money everywhere. Money everywhere, and yet you go, gosh, 
I got $140 in the bank and there you got a million and 400,000 and you are more wound up and tight than I am. You go, how can that be? Because they didn't lay down their life in common things. They couldn't pick up the precious things, the holy things. And we don't want to do that because it would be by accident. But the Gentiles do it. And he said, Christians that are born again and going to heaven will do that and live that way. So you can't run your race and you certainly can't finish your course unless you deal with the common things in your life. Now, I promise you, nothing looks holy. You look in your purse and there's a $10 bill in there. It does not look holy. If anything, it looks like lunch. I mean, really, you, you think that lunch money is holy? No. But it'll turn into holy. If you lay it down right, if you, if you seek first the kingdom of God with it, then it will. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's see. We've got just a just 100 minutes left. Hebrews chapter 12. Let me, let me get through this part of it. I don't, I don't want to burden you, but I, 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 this is so powerful. This is just, this is helping me so much. Wherefore, verse 1, Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we are, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now here it is. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to assume that there's a race set before each one of us. That we don't have the Olympians over here that represent the USA and they all run and we all clap. Go America, go. No, we're all in the race. We're all in the race and there's nobody we can send. I have to run my race if I wanna finish my course. And to run my race, I have to do it with mastery. I can't just be a participant. I can't just be someone that's down there. I have to do it with mastery. And to be master, Paul said, you gotta, you gotta put some things under you have to master your passions, your natural, your soul, and your body. You have to master them. And if you can, then you can have mastery, which means you'll finish your race. Run your course and run your race and finish your course. So that's important. So this is what's required to bring the Zoe life of Jesus into you. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I have come that you might have Zoe and have it to the full. The way you do that is you begin to just, it doesn't come just at once. You all know that? We don't just say, I receive the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden all of your life is wonderful and there's never any trouble. You have, to lay, you have to lay down weights. And that's a process of renewing your mind. It's a process of working things in as you work things out. And so we grow. That's the process is growing. So, and the Amplified says, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance. What is that? It's an unnecessary weight. And that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly ting clings to us and entangles us. So it just means life. What you used to do, seeking first the kingdom, nah, let's go back and do it the way we always did it. Then you've got to pass that test again. You've got to go around the mountain again. Is that right? Yeah. Y'all been around the mountain more than once? I have. It's like, ah, I've been here. I, it wasn't fun the first time, and here I am again. It won't be better. So uh, it's a race. So the better you run, 
excuse me, the more you run, the easier it is. I walk, I don't walk far. I'm not telling you how, how little I walk and I'm none of your business. It's barely my business, but I, I do walk. You might not notice it, but I do walk and get out there and I despise every step of it. I go, I go, I walk so far, I walk pretty fast, but, uh, and if I get out of the habit of it, I'm just telling you all honest, then I can't go, I either can't go all the way or I have to stop and rest before I can get home. I always take my phone with me and I got Debran on speed dial. <laughs> Didn't make it. <laughs> so I, I'm buffeting my body, not, not because I like it, not because I, none. I just don't want to, I got to take care of my body a certain amount. A little bit of it. So uh, the better you run in life, the better your exchange rate. You'll have more things that are common to lay down. Now, the, the, my, the widow that had the two mites, that's great, but then she was out of money. She had to wait until some more came by. It'd be good if the rich had laid down a lot of money that day. Because the rich are always rich. It's not based on a volume or a number. It's just based on who they are. You take all the riches money away from them, and by the weekend, they'll have a big hunk of it back because they, they think right. My mission is to know who I am. I really don't have a mission after that. Know who I am. Because when I know who I am in Jesus, then I know what I have. Demons are afraid of me. I didn't used to say that, but demons are afraid of me. They, they walk around me. They should walk around you too. Lack has no power over me. I've been on the bottom. I've been, I've been under the bottom before where there wasn't anything and no way to get to anything. But here he came. He came in and, and, and bailed me out because I wouldn't flinch. You ever, anybody got that testimony in here? We all do. Where We wouldn't flinch. You got to have that story. You got to have that story. Nobody is great in the kingdom that doesn't have a story. You were just born wealthy, or in my case at 40, I was just born healthy. But it didn't, I had no story. But since then, I've got me a story. And in where my story is, I'm unmovable. You ought to be unmovable. Then you can get the Zoe life of God into your life. So the thief... We didn't read it, but in 10.10 it says, The thief cometh not but to steal and kill and destroy. He has come for the holy because most Christians won't give him the common. Many times people in church will say, Why would I have to give? The preacher's doing better than me, so I'm not giving to him. And look at all these people around me. There's plenty here. And so they're meeting the church need not realizing that it's personal. You've got to lay down your personal life. I, I know of a church, a large church, a very large church, and you listen to the people talk about their church, and they talk about how we're, we're involved with this ministry and this outreach, and we send water filters here, and we feed over here. Whew, I like that. That's awesome. But that's all I hear about them. That's what the people think is the attribute of that church. Well, that doesn't help you grow deep. It doesn't help you throw off weights and sins. It doesn't, it doesn't help you run your race. Uh, so he, the devil wants to steal the holy. If you think your whole life is great because of works only, then the devil has stolen the holy. Doesn't mean doing works is bad, because it is. It's good. 
I like it. It's the result of that. So I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, uh, you know when I look at the clock, I'm just going to do it anyway. <laughs> no, I'm going to quit there. Amen. Did we get exhorted to love and good works? That's all it is, is telling the truth. There's no, there's no new revelation in here. It's just revelation to, when you get it, it's revelation. When you see what's always been there, then all of a sudden, it came into view. And I want to lay down my life in the common ways, and I want to pick up my life in the precious ways, the holy ways. I need what I can't do to come into my life. If, I'm gonna, if I have a million dollar, let's just say I had a, a $10,000 vision. Would, would that help you get around that a little better? If I said, Lord, I'm believing you for $10,000. I can tell you it'd be just about the same. For me, 10,000 is a million. It's no closer, I can tell. But if, if, if you said, okay, I believe God to give 1,000 this year, we could give that. But otherwise, it's just common stuff that we go, that's mine. God don't need my common stuff. I need to eat this week, and I need to pay the rent this week, and I need this. But really, if you seek first the kingdom and give it up, sow it, plant it with purpose, not just get rid of it. Don't be just separated from it. Then he'll say, I got more for you. What is it? Exceeding abundantly above. All that you can ask, think, imagine, or meditate. It's amazing. You go, well, I don't know anybody that's living this life. Well, they don't crow about it much. They don't walk around saying, I've got it, and I did it, and this is how I did it. But there are people out there that are living this life. R.G. Letourneau gave 90% of his income away. If you read about him, he tied 90 or whatever and lived on 10. Uh, uh, Buddy Harrison, past, uh, Brother Hagen's son-in-law, He's gone, but he, I told you this. He said he gives, he gives away 90. He gave away 90 and lived on 10. And he said, if you want to have the lifestyle I have, you've got to have a big cash flow. Because to get, get $100,000 to live on, you have to, you have to have a million. So it's just a mark to sit out there that we can meditate and press towards that mark. Hallelujah. I want more. Y'all want more? We want more. This isn't it. So blessed to be here. This is a great place. I'm so better off now than I've ever been. I'm living my best life now. But I'm not stopping here. The danger to this is that it's good enough. You ever get to the place where you go, well, that's good enough. I never dreamed I'd go that far. And that's the danger of us getting blessed. I want to thank you for tuning in this morning to River Church. We'll be here Wednesday night with the same message a different way. Thank you.